want you to keep in mind too something that, uh, about covenant that Alicia had mentioned. And just kind of keep that, you know, in your thinking about us that we're in covenant, under new covenant, that we have covenant with God. And I love, Tony, the fact that you said that about Nate and about how Nate saw that. Because my opening question to you this is this. How many of us remember when we were kids, we used to imagine what we would be when we grew up? Who can give me an example of something you used to imagine that you would be when you grew up? A Ninja Turtle. A Ninja Turtle. <laughs> <laughs> what? I wanted to ride on a garbage truck. I really did. You wanted to what? Ride on my garbage van. I to ride on that truck. I Kurt wanted to be a Ninja Turtle and Tony wanted to be a garbage man. Ninja Turtles live in the sewers and the garbage man does <laughs> stuff in the sewers. Man, what a connection. <laughs> Would you have one? Well, I was a weird child. I wanted to be a business owner. So kind of like an exterminator. I was like fly catchers was the name of my business. Flag, what? Fly catchers. Fly catchers. A business owner, fly catchers, ex- exterminator. Anybody else? Anybody? Everybody knows Chris. Lisa? Uh, Alicia, yeah, Alicia, an artist and a tattoo artist. So, me as a young child, uh, born in the seventies, kind of started entering my teenage years in the eighties and everything. If you're part of my generation, Generation X or older, or whatever, in the eighties, you kind of remember there was a little bit of the ninja craze, you know. <laughs> so I wanted to be a ninja. <laughs> so the man, you could go to the flea markets. You know, if y'all ever went to like Mountaintop or Lacon Mountain or whatever, everything, the flea market, you could find these vendors, you could get throwing stars and nunchucks and swords and all kind of martial arts stuff. And we just ate it up in the 80s, man. Watch the movies, American Ninja and all that that come out. Uh, the guy, uh, a real famous guy that was in all of them named Sho Kasugi, or I think was his name. He, he was an actual, he was a real ninja. You know, they got him in all those movies. That's, that's what I wanted to be. But my point of asking y'all this is, was there anything at that time that we imagined as children that we could be? Was there anything that ever told us we couldn't be that? Never crossed our minds once, did it? I never thought that I couldn't grow up and be, <laughs> become an actual ninja, you know? And that's why I was reading my point out about Tony, but the innocence of a child, the, you know, in Nate's mind, that's where blood, that's how blood gets made. You know, he may not fully understand it, you know, or what's exactly happening there, but in his mind, that's it. So when we're children and we start to imagine these things of what we want to do and what we want to be or who we want to be when we grow up, everything, there is absolutely nothing that stands in our way of it because we, we can't see it. But what happens when we get older? That you start seeing what you have to do to get there, or or you start seeing maybe the the impossibility of it, or or you know all of that kind of stuff, all of the the lack of a better word negative stuff that enters that tells us we can't. Now, in reality, could I have really been a ninja when I grew up? Yeah. Yeah. Because I could have dropped everything my whole life. I could have moved to Japan. I could have found a ninja master and had found somebody and dedicated my life to becoming a ninja. You know? 
Tony, there was nothing stopping you, really. You know? Except us getting older and saying, no, nah, I don't think that's the I don't think that's the way I'm gonna go for that. You know? He takes the garbage out and just does it, gets it right on the truck. So but as we as I was saying, as we get older and everything, all of these things start coming in, everything that kind of kind of squelch our dreams, kind of, you know, kind of damage that imagination. So, I'm going to back up here just a little bit. The last time I spoke, the title was my, of my message was, All You Can Believe, Taking the Limits Off of God. So, if you, if you got your Bibles or your device, turn to Ephesians 3, 23-21. I'm going to kind of recap that just a little bit. Ephesians 3, 20, and 21. I said 20 through 21 because in my notes here, it's, it's, got, a, it's got a little dash here, so that tells me through 21, so it's not, it's Ephesians 3, 20, 21. <laughs> and so mine is out of the New King James Version. Y'all let me know when y'all got there. So, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now we're going back up to verse 20 there. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, let's take a pause right there. Exceedingly, abundantly, above. That's limitless. Those are limitless terms. Those are unbound terms. Terms that say, whatever I'm doing can never end. Can go on forever. There's no limit to it. Exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or, for Imagination Week, think. All that we can ask or imagine. What can you imagine? You know? <laughs> it made me think. If you've ever seen uh, Star Wars, the, uh, uh, for me, the first movie that came out, which was A New Hope, which was actually episode four, everything, there's a point in there where Luke Skywalker is talking to Han Solo and trying to get him to help him out and say, you know, so if you help us, I mean, the reward would be, and you know, because Han Solo's a smuggler and he's wanting money and everything, the reward would be, you know, and everything, and Han looks at him and goes, well, what? And Luke says, well, more than you can imagine. Han looks at him and goes, I can imagine quite a bit. You know, so what can you imagine? What can, what can we imagine that God can do exceedingly, abundantly above in our imaginations? We are, we are a limitless creature. The only thing that has limited us is our own thinking. And I'll even go so far as to say, 
go so far as to say is, yes, even when, when the fall of man happened and sin entered the world and turned this world around, everything, yes, there are limiting factors in the world that try to limit us. But those limits were taken off by what? The sacrifice of Jesus. Because what did Jesus tell the disciples? Greater works that I do than I do will you do. So if Jesus did great works, and God can do exceedingly abundantly above anything that we can ask or think, if we can imagine greater works than what Jesus did, there's no limit. You see, I've always <laughs> this is this is what I call Kevin 101, okay? Right here, just something that kind of makes a little sense to me that's not exactly verbatim in the Bible. But I've always believed that Adam was made to walk between two worlds. Adam had the ability to me, had the ability to walk in the physical world that God created for him, but he could also see and walk into the spiritual. And I kind of think that's what we were always meant, meant to do. Now there again, don't write that in stone. Don't go say, well, Kevin said this, and I believe this. No. Like I said, that's not verbatim in the Bible. That's just Kevin 101 thinking. So, and, and last time I talked about, about how we limit God. And when it was through our unbelief, through just plain, I don't believe that. You know, don't believe it, ain't going to believe it. You know. Through disqualification is another way we limit Disqualifying meaning, meaning again, we're choosing not to believe it or, or through the disqualification of other people. Have you ever had somebody tell you you couldn't do something? That's when I did it. That's when you did it. Well, see, you see there's, there's people, though, that have, that have been brought up that when somebody tells them they can't do something, by golly, they're going to do it. Don't tell me I can't do it. But then there are people that, that are brought up in certain ways, certain situations that are... You'll never amount to anything. You won't be able to do that. You can't do that. You're not this type of person. You don't have a mind for that. You know, so they grow up thinking, I can't do that. So they don't. Me, I kind of grew up being told because when I was young, little, in grade school and everything, sometimes I would have trouble in math. Everything. So for some reason, my parents got it in their head that I couldn't do math. So then they begin to discourage me from taking any higher forms of math, like algebra or trigonometry or anything like that. So I, I would see a little bit of it, and of course it was, would be confusing. I mean, X equals Y and O and who and what, where, when, how, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But if it had been explained to me what X was, what it represented, I probably could have understood it. And so here's the thing. So all, all through high school, all through elementary and high school and everything, I avoided those higher maths. You know, I avoided learning what those were. I get in college. All of a sudden, I've got to take algebra. And I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> See, and I, and I wasn't exact, exactly operating on the, I can do all things through Christ principle either, <laughs> you know. So I'm sitting there, and so I sit in class in college. Teachers are sitting there talking about algebra and everything. I'm sitting there, why didn't I take this years ago? Just sitting there doing it pretty as you please. I understood it because of the way he was explaining it. But unfortunately, when it became test time, right out the door. I failed nearly every test I took. I could do it in class. 
pretty as you please. But on test, there was, there was something that was entered into me, in my thinking, in my imagination. Even though it wasn't here, here up in my, you know, what I normally think, back here somewhere, that I couldn't do it. So, we have to be on guard and not let other people disqualify us from our imaginations and what we can do. And us parents, don't let other people disqualify our children. Not even to us. You know. Because there are people that just, I guess, think they know more about you than you do or know more about your child than you do and say, oh, they won't never do this, will they? Or they won't, you know, this. And it's like, shut your hole. (laughs) You know, my my child's going to do this, you know. That's why we speak over our child and say over our child and, and pray over our children and claim over our children, you know. Because there again, I've said this before. You know, a lot of a lot of t- issue that uh, us Christians have with Satan is a lot of times we underestimate what he can do and we overestimate what he can do. We underestimate his seductive and, and seductiveness and sneakiness and and, and uh, a word that I can't think of right now in my head to think to say <laughs> to say about it. And we overestimate his power in our lives. So, and then the last thing uh, I said was losing focus. There's another way of, of, uh, of uh, limiting God or limiting our imaginations, if you will. Uh, limiting God in our lives is, is losing focus on where we're going and what we're doing and what God's called us to do. Now, so, for this message, I titled it, All You Can Believe... Taking the limits off of God for such a time as this. Because I, I want us to kind of understand something in having our thinking. How, how, okay, so in, in, I asked the question of, of how many of us, who all of us, when we were children, we imagined what it would be when we grow up. Okay? So now when we get older and we've experienced the world, how many of us have ever thought, I was born in the wrong time? <laughs> I was, you know, I, I was, I'm just out of place here. You know, why couldn't I have been born way back here? You know, and everything like that. I mean, my, my daughter Bella, everything, uh, she hadn't been on it so much lately and everything, but she was really on a, a little house on the prairie kick and everything. She, you know, she loved little house on the prairie and, and watched that all the time. And, and uh, so uh, one weekend she was at my house and, and uh, I've got oil lamps and everything that my parents had and everything when, um, for when the, Electricity went out. So she wanted to turn out all the lights in the house and turn them oil lamps on and it like it was, you know, like it was a little house on the prairie. You know. So but you know, I in myself, there's been times that I sit here and thought, I'm in the wrong century. You know, this just this don't fit with me, you know. I need to be back here with you know, medieval times with knights and swords and you know, all this and that. Uh, you know, that's kinda of, <laughs> that you know that's kind of what i think and or, or how many how many times have we ever thought if i knew then what i know now and i could go back then you know the truth is though if we knew then what we know now things would things wouldn't be the way they are and we wouldn't end up where we should be yeah that's just that's just you know the the wishful thinking out of hurt 
emotions and bad circumstances, you know. Wishing we could go back and change something and make a better circumstance, you know, instead of allowing God to take whatever happened and, and make it better. But taking the limits off God for such a time as this, meaning that we are learning things, we're, we're relearning things and are learning things that we need to know for the time that we have been born into, for the time that we have entered, such as this. So how, how many, uh, I don't know if anybody, so when I joined Brad, I think the church had actually been going maybe about two or three years. Alicia, I don't know, how long were you, you're the only one I know of sitting in here that's probably been there. I know that they were operating in 2017. 2017. And I think I may have visited once or twice, but 2018 is when I, the whole time. 2018, okay. Because I'm kind of not good with dates. I just kind of remember think that it was about two years. It was 2017, just next to 2017, okay. So. In 2018. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We so. Been for about a year. Well, Sophia's sitting right here, like, well, I wouldn't. <laughs> she's so quiet. And she's not asleep. No. <laughs> 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 Can I keep my hands busy? I will sleep. I'm sorry. What was you saying now? 20- um, we started um, May 25th of 2017 in the Cornelius' house. Um, and the Cornelius' house. And then uh, we had been in the Really? Okay. Yeah. See, I was off. I kind of thought y'all had been, we'd been there two years. Right. So, uh, I was bringing all that up to get to this point. <laughs> so, because uh, I don't remember who was there. One day I was, uh, can you remember what I was, I was thinking on? But God just kind of showed me something. And I look back and I remember, who remembers when we started about talking, talking about saying yes to God? And you know, y'all probably weren't there when y'all started. You should. 2019? Started talking about having the message about saying yes to God. Saying yes to the things that God had put in our heart. Saying yes to what God wanted us to do. The dreams and the visions that God had put in our heart. And uh, Brad, at the time, had us... Write these little, on these little uh, cards, write our, our dreams. What, you know, some of these dreams, he talked about these dreams and visions that we had years ago that we let die or that we've let go of. And he had us write them all down and everything. And I've got my card. I don't guess y'all got y'all's card. So you do? You got your card with So I'm going to show you something. So give you a little bit of, I'm going somewhere with this, so just hang on. Give you a little bit of it. I've been involved in ministry I guess about a little over 30 years now. So when I got filled the Spirit, the spark to, to, for ministry was put into me. And so I went all this time, and that was, that was what that became. That's what I wanted to do. That's where I went. That's where, that was my heart. That was what I wanted to do. So I'm spending all these years trying to, you know, getting there, getting there, getting there. So different things happen. Different circumstances happen. Uh, in 2012... You know, my marriage falling apart and things not working out and divorced by 2013. And so after that, you know, still hanging on a little bit, you know. But I finally, I got to a point of, I wasn't in church nowhere. I hadn't left God. Hadn't, you know, got mad at God or anything like that. You know, it was, you know, I, 
you know, I'm the, I was the head of the household. It was my, you know, marriage. You know, I full, took full responsibility for, you know, the breakdown and, and everything like that, no matter what things were. You know, I knew didn't didn't have to do with God. God saw it coming along before I did. And God probably even tried to tell me, and I just didn't listen. You know. So, but anyway. But I just hadn't found a church to, you know, really plug into yet that was just there. And just other little circumstances, uh, you know, things that were just kind of starting to pile on a little bit over the years. So in that time, I just kind of start, started feeling my, my dreams weren't going to happen. So things weren't going to happen. So I gave up. You know, God wasn't going to let me. <laughs> God pulled a fast one on me. I'm trying to make a long story short here. You know, I, I really did. I gave up. I said, this is never going to happen. I'm never going to be doing this. You know, and, and so I'm, just, I'm done with it, you know. And I felt good. I'm being real with you. I felt good. I did. I didn't feel any pressure. You know, I didn't feel accountable to anybody or any, anything. And I felt all right about it, <laughs> you know. And God had me said, uh, I want you to go to this church you used to go to. You know, and I was like, no. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. This can't, no, no, no. I was like, okay, I'll go. If you want me to go, I'll go and visit. Everything like that. So I went. Nothing big, spectacular, everything like that. A little while later, I was like, you know, I didn't go back or whatever. A little while later, God was like, I want you to go to this church. I was like, dude, I was like, you know, really, why? You know, I really like don't want to do this. You know, so I'm like, okay, I'll go. So, all right, y'all okay with this? Because I know this is a story, and I said I was going to try to make it short, but it is a little bit of a long story because you need to understand some things. Church I'm talking about is here in Warrior. I mean, it's down the road, okay? Church was very... Very influential in my life back in the day, in my younger days. You know, that was my, my youth group. Had a lot to do with who I am and where I am, everything I got. So I want you to understand, I'm not saying anything bad, okay? When I first met the, the pastors of that church, who are the pastors now at that church, they were youth pastors at another church. And it's where I got filled with the Spirit and where my, basically my Christian world turned upside down and got on fire for God and all that kind of stuff. So... While they were youth pastors at this church, which was uh, Restoration over here. So actually, that's, that was the church. It was called Life and Praise then. Uh, uh, but it was Restoration then. One Sunday, or one service, uh, youth pastors had us march in to, had the young people march into the sanctuary to God's got an army. Carmen's God's got an army. Y'all ever heard that? Remember that? God's got an army. You know, that. Had us march into that. So, I had to tell you that little bit so you'll understand this little bit. When he had me go back, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to go here. If you're trying to get me to go here, I'm, I'm going to go in. This is my attitude. I can walk out the door just as good as I can walk in the door. <laughs> I said, that's it, <laughs> you know. I open the door, and I step in, and I step into the very end of the line of all the young people lined up. And when I stepped in, I said, no. I did. I knew. I knew I had been set up. God set me up. <laughs> and I was like, 
I know it's not about, and by the time I said like, and all the youth marching around in, it was a youth Sunday. I had no clue, no clue that that was going on that day. I probably wouldn't have went had I known it was that Sunday, youth Sunday. So they all marched in, and I sat back there and everything and watched them. They did, back in the day, we used to do dramas on Friday and Saturday nights to Carmen stuff. They started doing the dramas. And unfortunately, I'm sitting back there, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But no, they were doing their dramas, those dramas. And all of those, that old, you know, those old feelings, all that old, you know, that, that fire and everything, that, you know, stirring it up. And I'm just sitting back there, you know, and I mean, you're, <laughs> you're sitting back there and everything. And it did. It stirred up. God had done a number on me. So, fast forward now, meet up with Brad, start coming to uh, Life of Faith North, and we're going to say yes to God, yes to those old dreams and those old visions. So I'm going to read you some of mine. To minister through teaching the Word of God, to help bring understanding of the Word. What am I doing? (laughs) Started preaching again. Started doing messages again. To minister to men. Because in between, in between one of those times, I had went to a church in Aniana and been a part of a men's ministry that put a desire to minister to men. But I had let that go too. But while I was there, I started one in my house. <laughs> With just me and a few, couple of friends. Started it in my house. And now we've picked it up here. And they're doing it here. To teach the message of pick up your sword and have it videoed. You remember the message I do with the swords and everything? I finally got to preach. I didn't have it videoed. Hadn't had it videoed yet. But, you know, <laughs> still I got to preach that message. And there's some others on here I, I don't need to go through because they haven't, they haven't manifested yet. They haven't come true yet. But that's just going to show you on that. And, and I do have a place I'm going with this. So we started out. I said all that to say that we started out saying yes to God about... Looking back at those old dreams and those old visions. Those old things we used to have. Because God was showing me something here this day. Then we crossed over into enlarging our hearts. And there might have been some things in between you know, some of these. But these are some things that the Lord was showing me. Into enlarging our hearts. Making room. Getting ready. Then... On a couple of Thursday nights, the Lord led me and Tony to lead the nights about what? Doing what? Telling stories. Recounting the times that God had been there and the things that God had done in our lives. Because there's power in remembering that. What had God done with me when he took me back down there? He caused me to remember. He caused me to stir up. And when we keep these things and write these things down and keep them, it stirs up in our hearts and our minds the things that God has done for us and where he's brought us from and where he's taken us to. Then learning about healing. Bringing uh, uh, the youngs in to help us understand a little bit more about the healing and the power in healing and the power that's in us for healing. And I don't know if y'all caught on to this or not, but several times talking about our spiritual lineage talking about our spiritual heritage, the, the ministers that, that in our particular, you know, our, 
I hate to say it this way, but in our particular line of belief, our particular, particular theology, the ministers that have gone on before us, several times I caught on that that has been gotten mentioned. And we go back and we think and see the earliest one I can think of is Smith Wigglesworth, then Lester Sumrall, yeah, down through that line. And I've got this wrote down, and I, I'm, I don't quite remember. Maybe y'all do. But this had to do something about understanding how that uh, we are one with God and God is one with us. Any y'all remember that? I had that wrote down, but I don't quite remember where that came in at. But I know those things. But now we're talking about imagination. Do you see a pattern here? Or am I the only one that sees it? The pattern of... of of making that choice and that decision that I'm going to say yes to God, to, those old, to, to whatever dreams and visions that, that I thought had died or that had, had been allowed to be, to be brought back and to be reformed. It may not look like I imagined it then. It may not have the same feel that I thought it would have or, the, or look that I thought it would have, but it's the same dream. See, because I can tell you that back then when I imagined myself, when I saw myself speaking on people and everything, it did not look like this. I'm okay with this. I'm good with this. There's more. But I'm telling you, this was not in my mind at the time. This was not the picture. And enlarging our hearts, enlarging our our spirits, our minds, our imaginations to be able to, to receive what God wants to give us and where He wants to take us. You see, a lot of times when, when, when God shows us something or starts talking to us about doing something... Or, or when we hear ministers start talking about, you know, God, you know, wants you to do this, or the calling of God on your life and everything. A lot of times we, inside of us, we hit a break. Especially if they're talking about missions. <laughs> missions, you know. I'll be honest with you, I put the break on at missions. Hard. <laughs> then I found out, you know what, that's okay. You know why that's okay? Because I'm not a missionary. You see, a lot of us get afraid that, you know, God's going to call us to go overseas and everything, and we don't want to go overseas. You know what? If you don't want to go overseas, he's not going to call you to go overseas. If, that's not, if he hadn't put it in your heart, he's not going to put it, you know, that's not going to happen. You know. And the funny thing is, though, is, is I, I, I don't consider myself a, a, a missionary to go overseas, but there are countries that I would like to go to and minister in. <laughs> They're just not south like in Africa or Guatemala or any place. My places are north. Norway and Finland and Ireland. That's, that's, that's the way I want to go. And, you know, I like cold weather, but not all the time. And, you know, and I can tell you what the temperature is in Dublin, Ireland right now. But, you know, so. Telling our stories and everything to, to keep these things stirred up to see where God has brought us where we were and where God has brought us from and learning about healing because in such a time as this that we are in now. You see, in 2020, I think we were just really caught off guard. The church was just really caught off guard. There was some out there that was saying, hey, hey, this is a chance. This is opportunity. You know, God you know, can do this here and everything. But there was a lot of them that said, oh, no. What do we do? The church. When I say the church, I mean the church as a whole. The church. Can you imagine the church saying, what do we do? 
I wonder, does that, does that shock y'all as much as it does me? The church saying, what do we do? Because the very entity on this planet that should know what to do above all else is the church. To me, that showed a lack of connection to God. Not to be mean on people or preachers or pastors, but, you know, maybe we need to do a little digging and checking up here on, on where we're at with God. I'm talking about church as a whole. Again, You know, and healing, that's one of, when, when we, when we are, are brought up here and we believe in healing and believe in divine healing and we practice it in our daily lives and we see it take place, but then at those moments when we see it not take place and we have brothers and sisters that are left questioning and wondering why because I did this and I did that and I, I did everything I knew to do and then this still happened and everything. That is one of the most damnable hard questions to answer. When I sit there and I think, I know God. I know this wasn't God's will. I know that, that this person could have, have, could have walked away with, from this. But they didn't. And I hear, I hear in my mind, I hear in my spirit and everything, reasons I think why. And we all probably do. But we can't speak those reasons because the person on the other end is not ready to hear it. You know, and I, I'm not saying that about anybody particular or any situation or anything particular. I'm saying that as a whole because I'm sure that we've all, sitting in this room, have seen someone get healed and someone not get healed. You know, my dad, uh, my dad had gotten a, a, a lymphoma cancer from working in a factory with uh, um, asbestos in it. And he had treatments for it, and the radiation treatments, and uh, kind of did a number on his body a little bit. He didn't have quite the strength he had, used to have, and everything, and it frustrated him. Then, in uh, 2015, 2016, um, it was discovered he had uh, an aggressive cancer in his pancreas. And, And it was like, by the time they discovered it, and let us know and everything. They was like, you know, nothing they could do except, quote, unquote, try their new <laughs> whatever it was that they had at the time, you know. And the dad, he believed in God. He was a believer. He watched Rod Parsley, you know. But while we were sitting there with dad and the pain was kind of increasing on him and everything, I sat there and I thought, because I knew me. I know what I believe. I know God. I know the power of God. So I had to sit there and I had to think, what do I do? Because I knew out of my, all my family, I was the only one standing there thinking that. Not, not, not that it wasn't believers. I'm just the only one that knew what I believed and how I believed. So I'm sitting there thinking, what do I do? And it's kind of like God just kind of, you know, your dad's older. His body's worn out from all of this. Your dad doesn't think that he can be healed. Not that he doesn't want to be. So, and then I got, I was led and I, I knelt down with dad and I put my hand back where his pancreas was and I started praying in the spirit. And I don't know how long I prayed, but I wasn't praying for healing. I knew he wasn't going to be. 
I was just praying for the pain to ease up. That's all I was praying for, just to be eased of pain. Dad, Dad's body was worn out. Dad didn't, Dad didn't have the belief in him to be healed, to come back from that, not at his age and, uh, you know, everything. I just need, you know. Sometimes we have to get a little bit of spiritual maturity about us and understand things and, and, help, and let God help us understand other people, you know, for such a time as this, you know. What the kind of times that we're living in now? You know, I love what a, co- a coworker said the other day. You know, we we always get frustrated at these gas prices now, going up, and then you know, I was glad when it went down. <laughs> you know, then it started going back up, and people start. You know, the coworker said this. He's a believer. Everything. Uh, is it Philippians four nineteen or four thirty? Wow. My God to supply all my need. Okay, so he says, you know, he said, Philippians 4, 19 says, my God, for my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in heaven. He never mentions how much that's, that need's going to cost. It's not our concern how much it costs. Because he's going to supply it. Now, does that mean we don't feel a little <laughs> on the inside? <laughs> no, because I feel <laughs> on the inside every time, <laughs> every time it happens. I'm just saying... We have to go back to the scripture. Be anxious for nothing. nothing. Go back to the scripture of my God shall supply all my need. I'll get gas somewhere, somehow, some way. (laughs) You know. Now. Talking about our imaginations. For such a time as this, in, in, in our imagination week, you know, when you walk out of here and you go out here to get in your vehicle to leave, you have this simple understanding. You understand that when you get in your car and you put the key in the ignition and you turn it, that car's going to crank or should crank. <laughs> but this car's going to crank. You understand that when you put your foot on the brake and you put it into gear and you take your foot off the brake, the car is going to start moving in whatever direction you're telling it to go. That is a simple, and then, of course, steering it, steering it to whichever direction you want it to go. That is a simple, basic understanding of a vehicle. Now, a mechanic has a knowledge of the vehicle. Why? Because he spent time learning. He spent time looking at images of a motor and seeing this and, and forming it in his mind of what it is. He can build it. A, 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 a mechanic has the working knowledge of when I turn that key, it's going to cause this and, and this combustion will do this and this will do this. And, and if it doesn't do this, then this is probably what's wrong here. Have you ever took your vehicle anybody, to, a, to what's called a shade tree mechanic? Which is, I don't remember these guys' name. And we didn't go to them very often. But I just remember one time, there was these guys, old house, had this old garage out behind their house. Everything, but my dad said these people were the these guys. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't mean bad on them, dirty looking guys. But he said these are some of the best mechanics around. I mean, you could literally drive up with your vehicle making a noise, and they'd tell you right off the bat what's wrong with it. 
because they've been doing it all their life. They had acquired that understanding, that knowledge of vehicles so much, had it in their brain, in their thinking, in their imagination so much that they could do that. That's where we need to be concerning God, with the Word of God in our lives and who we are in our lives. See, when we were little children and we imagined, (laughs) we pretended who we wanted to be when we grow up, we had that imagination in our minds. We knew who we we were and who we wanted to be. Now we have to understand who we are and what we can do. Uh, How many of you have been doing I am statements? Been doing I am statements? I made, I did some here, printed them out. So there's still some copies here if anybody wants some. That's the purpose of the I am statements. To put in our mind to, for us to finally look in our mind and realize and understand who we are. To gain the knowledge of who we are. Let me read some of these off here. What it says. I am a child of God. Are you a child of God? Yes. Do you know you're a child of God? Yes. Okay. You understand you're a child of God. But do you know you're a child of God? It says, I am redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Are you redeemed from the hand of the enemy? You understand you're redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You know you're redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let's see here. I am forgiven. I am saved by grace through faith. I am redeemed from the curse of the law. I'm just skipping down here. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I'm doing all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm an heir to the blessings of Abraham. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings. I walk by faith and not by sight. I'm a faith child of a faith God. Do you realize that when when God created this whole thing, that he thought about it first? That there was an imagination first? Let's see here. Why don't you look at something? I don't have it wrote down, so I've got to turn to it here. So, now my, this is King Jimmy. This is the New King James Version that Brad reads. So, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. How do you create something? Before you create it with words, how do you create something? You think about it. You imagine something. If you're going to do a piece of artwork, I seen Sayla sitting here drawing one out and everything like that, and I thought, before she ever, her pencil ever touched that paper, she had in her, in a thought, an image in her mind of what she wanted to draw. She might not have fully had what it was going to look like or what she was going to do. But she had that thought or that imagination of drawing a picture of whatever. That's where it begins in our mind. We get that thought. We get that imagination of whatever it is we're going to do in our minds. Then, yes, we begin to speak it. Because our words have creative power. That's exactly what God did. 
He spoke it. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, let there be firmament. God said, God said. You see, this is, this, I want to say this is old word of faith teaching. And as we know, you know, word of faith wasn't wrong. Just incomplete sometimes. Because we had an understanding. Now we're gaining a full knowledge. Does that make sense? Okay, y'all got the point of that. I don't need to go with that. So, for such a time as this, to have our imaginations, to exercise our imagination, to, to fully utilize our imaginations, we go first go to the Word of God. And if you're dealing with something or somebody's dealing with something, we find the scripture on it. We start forming that in our head. Forming that image, that idea, that image. You know, sometimes God has led me, said people that needed healing for something. I said, I ask them, have you ever seen a picture of this part of your body? Like years ago, we used to, I used to have a set of encyclopedias. And there was one of them that was on the body. And it had this, this cellophane. It was like each layer of a body, you know. And I could look and see each layer of the body. Well, when something was wrong with part of my body and everything, I would go to that thing and I would look at that part of the body and how it was supposed to be, how it was supposed to look. Getting that image of it, what it was supposed to look like in my mind and speaking the Word of God over it healed and having that image in my mind. Then we want to write the vision down. Habakkuk 2.2 says write the vision down. We write it down so we can read it. Because how, how many of us know that when you know, we're in church and we, we know everything, we got it, we got it going on, or we're in our prayer time, but when we start getting busy or things start happening or for whatever reason, we start kind of separating from church or separating from the Word or separating constantly having God in our life or something, you know, that in our life. How many of you know we slowly start thinking different? Slowly start thinking different. It's always been a curious thing about how when people, if you ever watch people, they get hurt at a church or they get hurt in church, whatever, and they're mad and they're upset and they leave the church. But it's like they totally un unplug and disconnect from God too. And when they do that, you start noticing a change in them. Have you, have you ever seen somebody that was in church on fire for God and, you know, and, and, and you know, for, for lack of conversation, you know, or for sake of conversation, you know, they, you wouldn't hear them say a certain things or, or do certain things and everything. But the minute they get hurt and they walk away from God, next thing you know, they've got words coming out of their mouth that you ain't never heard them come out of their mouth before. Or, or they're posting things on Facebook that's like, huh? <laughs> you know, when did you start doing that? <laughs> you know, well, what happened here? It's because they disconnected themselves from where they were at. Because they, got, because they got mad and because they got hurt, they disconnected themselves from the Word and from God. You know, people are going to hurt you all day long. It's not God's fault. You know, that was, that's, that's another growing point we need to help take to other people. You know, oh, I'll never go to that church again. Okay, don't go to that church. Go find another church to go to. You know, but guess what? At some point in time, at that church, somebody's going to say something. 
there's something's going to happen. You know, Baptist church I grew up in, when, uh, me and Katie was talking earlier and everything, and uh, it was New Bethel back there. So, uh, it's, uh, Donnie Thomason, evangelist Donnie Thomason, he's, he's passed on now. I consider him a great man of God, okay? Baptist preacher, uh, evangelist, but he, he took over the role of pastor of the church. So this was back in the 80s. <laughs> so now dating myself again. Uh, and I'm sitting there, and of course, back in the 80s, we had the mullet. <laughs> you know, I mean, my hey, business in front, party in the back. My hair was like, when I, when I fried it, and it was straight down to here <laughs> in the back. So sitting in the service one time and everything, and I remember absolutely nothing else about this sermon. No clue what he was preaching on talking about whatsoever i just remember him saying this phrase don't even remember what he was talking about but he just said remember saying the phrase if they'd get their hair cut they'd know what was right and i just kind of sit there and i'm like now he he already kind of knew me knew my heart and i was already expressing you know kind of wanting to do stuff in ministry or whatever like that and he said that and i just kind of looked around and was like I was the only guy sitting there with long hair. <laughs> long hair. I'm like, what does that mean, dude? <laughs> you know, that's what I'm sitting there thinking. See, I could have let that hurt me, though. I could have took that that he was talking directly to me, and I don't know that he wouldn't. I don't know. I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm the only dude sitting there with long hair, and he makes this kind of a statement that if I get my hair cut, I'll know what's right. Like, I don't already know what's right. I could have let the enemy use that and hurt me, and I could have walked away from church. But I didn't. Thankfully, by then, I had already been filled with the Spirit and just, you know, I was still there. And, and you know, God just kind of like, you know, I just let it go. You know, <laughs> but like I said, that's the only thing I ever remember about that sermon. But we write the vision down. We write it down so we can read it, so we can keep it in our minds, and so we can keep connected to it and keep connecting to God. Then we speak the vision. These things that we imagine. If you have dreams and desires, these things that we imagine in there, we write them down, we read them, and then we speak them. We speak the word over them. Now, as we learn how to use our imaginations, let's learn to guard against vision killers, against the imagination killers. Unbelief. Negativity. And Satan. And I really, I'm probably going to end right here with this because this is something I, I really would like for you to get a hold of. Vision killers, unbelief, negativity, and Satan. Do you realize that Satan cannot do anything unless you allow him to? He has no power over you except what you give him. He cannot do anything with anything unless you give him something to work with. Why? Because he can't create. He's a created being, but he doesn't have the power to create. God creates. Actually, because God's in us, we can create. But all he can do is take something. See, that's why he watches you. That's why he, he's, he's so subtle is because he knows what will push your buttons he knows what will, you know, will might potentially lead you this astray. And whatever you think, say, not what you think, but whatever you say, 
and everything, he'll take it and try to twist it. There again, that's kind of how people get hurt in church because he, you know, somebody says something that they didn't mean a certain way and somebody takes it the wrong way and he twists it. And I want to read this here. John 14, where'd it go? There it is. In John 1430. Oh, I'm in the wrong one. I'm in Luke. Here we go. So, just for time's sake, you know, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's, he makes a statement. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. He won't talk much with them because there's nothing, because he's not going to say things that the enemy can use. Because there's nothing in him that he can use. Does that make sense? In other words... If there's nothing in you for him to use, he can't use it. He can't use it. He has no access. If I don't allow something out or allow, you know, this or that, so like, put it this way, the people that cut you off on the, on the road or whatever, if you don't allow them, <laughs> wink, wink, Chris, if you don't allow them to make you angry, he can't use that against you. So we have to do our best to not have anything in us that he can use. And one last thing. And I'll close with this. For Imagination Week and learning who we are and who we are in Christ and who God is in us. God has given you everything you need. He has made you a spirit being and given you a mind and an imagination. He has given you the faith and his word which to, with which to frame the accurate picture. He's also given you the Holy Spirit who is the power, who is the power to bring God's word to pass in your life. I found that this morning. I said, that's it. That is a, that is a perfect saying of, of it all. I'll read it again. God has given you everything you need. Faith is a response to what God has already done. He has made you a spirit being and given you a mind and an imagination. He's given you the power to do it. He has given you the faith or the ability to respond and his word with which to frame the accurate picture. He's also given you the Holy Spirit who is the power to bring God's word to pass in your life. So, I want to encourage everybody as you continue on, as we continue on past Imagination Week, to realize that, that all of this culminates in that we were born for such a time as this. No matter when we were born, how long ago or how recently, we were born for such a time as this that we're in right now. 
we don't, I stare, I say, you know, sometimes we feel like we don't want to be here. <laughs> we don't want to deal with this. But if we rest in the knowledge that God created us to be here, that there's a reason we're here, we have a purpose here. There's something God can do through us here. It all makes sense. And we have to use our imaginations to do it. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just give you all glory and honor and praise, Father. I thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for your word, Father. I thank you for understanding and knowledge, Lord. Father, help us to better understand who we are in you, Father, and who you are in us, and to use our imaginations in Jesus' name.